podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are finally here. It is the start of a brand new season, season eight here on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Decided that we were going to start it the same day that the season starts for the Kansas Jayhawks, the football team as well. Um, that's right. This episode is going to be coming out super late on Thursday night, so early Friday morning is probably when you're going to be hearing it, and that means that as of today, we are going to have Kansas football. It is the day of Kansas football. I will be in the house, and so will the uh, person joining the the podcast with me today here. That would be my deputy editor uh, over at Blue Wings Rising, Kyle Davis. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm good. Football's back. Let's yes, about it. time. This is... Yeah, it's probably we, we're capping what I would guess is probably the most anticipated and eager off season of Kansas football we've had, had in quite a while since the the Todd Reesing days, probably. Yeah, I was gonna say I think a lot of people were excited about last year because of the the possibilities, whereas this year they're excited because they were pretty good last year, and there's a decent chance that they're going to be better this year, like record wise, just you know, overall talent wise, everything. So. It's a super exciting time. I am really happy that football season is finally here. I've been gearing up. And, of course, you know, we've done the countdown, uh, 100-day countdown. Missed a couple days here and there. But, uh, you know, it's a long off season, especially when there's no realignment stuff to talk about every other day, right? Like, um, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, please, I do not want to be talking about realignment next summer. Like, we can just stop with that now. There needs to be no more. So, all right. We're obviously here to talk about KU. Um a lot of stuff has happened over the summer and since the end of last season, you know, since that, that Liberty Bowl um, loss in triple overtime. So in all of the time since then, like what is the biggest thing that's jumped out to you, the biggest takeaway that you have for this entire offseason for the Jayhawks? Uh, I would I would say that for the program as a whole, I think the message has been pretty loud and clear. Like they're here to to build something. I mean, you've, you've looked at, obviously this is talking about the weight room and the new gateway project and all of the uh, renovations to Memorial stadium. Plus I think you can look at uh, the, like even down to the recruiting trail and how, uh, you know, you can see some like uh, Calvin Clements, uh, you know, is a rookie offensive lineman from, from uh, right here in Lawrence, like, the, the past regimes weren't getting these guys and you know he's a four star he's already listed as a second team or on the depth chart like i think from recruiting to facilities to um just what you're hearing from like the offseason program and and just like even the like the the strength and speed which yes you take all that with the grain of salt like the team itself it's all you know all of it is at least looking and pointing to we don't want last year to be a fluke we are taking football seriously and we have something here. And when you look at the the depth chart and the two down uh, too deep through this, like there is a, there's a lot of guys on here. And that's been the thing with all of the past, what decade is there has been, um, there's been some, some decent talent at the top. You know, you think of like the, you'd have like Steven Sims surrounded by nothing. And, you know, what, you know, you'd have some good running backs and Tony Pearson and some athletic guys some good linebackers and there'd just be nothing else i think one of the things that you saw with the coaching staff that they gave credit for this offseason is they went out and they they added depth 
and they went through the transfer portal. They got some the some um, some freshmen in there. Actually, I think probably what you could get most excited about is the 2024 freshmen who have committed already. Now, hopefully, they stay committed because that is fluid and can change in a second. But everything that they've done from recruiting to facilities to the workouts to the you know look at the depth chart like all of it has shown that they are taking it seriously and at least from a fan who has struggled with the last 14 years you know what happens on the field is going to happen on the field but it's not from lack of effort it's not from lack of caring it's not like trying like they're they're putting a real emphasis here and you have to embrace that and I think that that adds to the excitement yeah I mean I, I think what we've seen in this offseason is the the program and really the athletic department as a whole take on an air of legitimacy, right? Like last time or the last few athletic directors, the last few you know head coaches, there was tiny bits of success here and there, but it all kind of felt fleeting. You know, the, the, the real question, I think anytime there was any success at all was, is this something that's going to sustain? Is this something that we can build off of? Or is this just, Hey, we got really lucky and a guy happened to be really good or the opponent happened to make a really horrible mistake and we took advantage. Like, that, that, I think, was what characterized the good decade before the Leipold got here. Um, you know, this year, just across the board, right, whether it's with facilities, whether it's with, you know, the PR, the way that they've interacted with people, whether it's getting their guys out there, whether it's, you know, the coaching staff putting their best foot forward or the players or really kind of anything in, in the recruiting, like everywhere. It's these guys know what they're doing. They know how to build a program. Yes, last year might have been ahead of schedule. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't real. And I think that's the best part about all of this is that we saw in this offseason, we saw guys really step out and take a leadership position. We have seen so many times that the that the coaching staff talks about, you know, this is the players' team, that the players need to be leaders, they need to show that leadership and actually help drive the program forward. And I think every coach talks about how that, you know, needs to happen. But there's not very many coaches that will actually do that, turnover control. It was it was coming into last year where they were talking about how, you know, some of the upperclassmen and guys that had been there for a while were actually taking over coaching, right? Like they were not, not like the coaches get out of here. We, you don't know what you're talking about, but more of the, the coaches were coming in to correct something and the players on the field already knew what needed to be corrected and were correcting it with their teammates. And that all I've heard this year is that that has continued. That has gotten a whole lot better. There's more people doing it. And you know, these guys know what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing it well in practice. And the real question is just going to be, does it translate into, into results on the field? Yeah, yeah, which only time will tell. And, and like we learned last year, you know, health and other things that are out of your control can really sidetrack that. But even then, you know, you, you're, I think everyone's betting on the a, a steady production similar to last year or greater. And, and that's where even like you look at, you know, KU's made a big deal of all the even the, the game day festivities that they're adding this year just to try and get people there in the push. So, you know, I've, I've seen – so, you know, Jalen Wilson and, and Christian Brown and Grady all going back and forth on Twitter about packing the booth and can I come and all that. And they're, you know, there's new concession happy hour things and offerings and they're and they're rethinking the hawk walk and all that sort of thing. And so it does seem like they're, you know, uh, I know I'm sure there's I've seen on Twitter there's some fans who I think are maybe a little dubious to buy in at this point. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know what else you, you know, Sports is all about taking a leap of faith is that everything every year you think it's your year and that things are going to go right. Like there's nothing that we've seen so far here that would, that would make you think that this is all going to go terribly wrong. Obviously 
injuries, regressions, all this stuff can happen. But, you know, like there's never been a better time to watch KU football. They're doing everything they can to make the, the in-game experience as, as good as possible. Um, you know, we're, we're going to get some primetime national TV showings to get out there. So, you know, it's I understand some fans may be a little bit skeptical, but like if, if you're really thinking realistically, like what else could you probably ask for to get buy in? That's that's reasonable. And I think Kansas has probably checked all those boxes. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those I, I, I can understand how people might be skeptical because of all the times things have been promised. Changes are talking about going to be made and then they get backed out for whatever reason, whether that's, you know, they, you know, Shane Zinger releasing his, you know, his wish list essentially, and then not being able to get funding for it, or um, all the times that Jeff Long said that certain things were going to change and that they didn't, you know, even follow through a week later. So I think the big difference here is they have not only shown that they're going to make changes, like we saw very quickly after game day came, right? And, 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 and I think really it's this, this athletic department and this administration has shown that they're connected to what's happening and they're willing to change their message based off of the feedback that they're getting. And I think that's what's different. I, I understand why people might be skeptical just because it felt, you know, it might've felt like that in the past or we wanted it to be that way in the past and it wasn't, but this is an administration that understands what those big issues are, understands how to do all the little things until they can resolve those big issues. And, and I think that's the other thing too, right? Is that a lot of prior administrations and a lot of prior coaching staffs would talk about the little things, but then do nothing about them because of the big things that still needed to be right. fixed. This is this is completely different. You do what you can now while you're still working on getting the big things done. And this is a, an administration and a coaching staff that has shown that they understand how to do that. All right. So exactly. Yep. Go. Uh, so, so let's, let's jump and talk about the roster itself. You know, we did, we did quite a bit over on Blue Wings Rising during the countdown talking about like which position groups we were the most excited about or the most worried about or anything like that. And I mean, I think everybody knows that this, you know, team will run based off of how well J- Jalen Daniels plays to a degree. Um, but I mean, there's a whole lot around this roster that I think has gotten better. What is your feel on the overall talent on the roster? Has it gotten better since last year from what you estimate or do you think it's about the same? I think it has, especially on the offensive side of the ball. It's hard to argue that it hasn't gotten better when you have virtually the same uh, group of skill position players who now will have another year of experience and year under uh, Kotelnicki's system. Like that just naturally, you don't expect those guys to suddenly get worse. So automatically you're kind of boosting yourself up here. And that's where the offensive line is the one area where it's like, okay, you, you lost our Obostic. Like there's, there's been a little bit of movement. That's where, okay, you brought in Logan Brown uh, as a transfer. You get Calvin Clements in case there's an injury there. Like it's a lot of, a lot to ask of a freshman, but they've done some stuff to really kind of shore up the the offense line. Cause I think that's the one area of the offense you worry about, especially when you're talking about health and protection there. But I mean, you know, you look at the running back room of Devin Neal and Highshaw and, and Sevion Morrison and, and just, receiver depth like all of these guys have now a couple years in the system they've they've already proved again I don't think you can think much of a regression and then similarly I think continuity is going to be a big thing I mean we've talked about this a lot in the offseason Kansas was I think number two in the country in returning production they're number one in the big 12 85 percent returning production that's not just starters that's just overall production uh you see that in the secondary where 
you know, like Kenny Logan and, and Kobe Bryant and OJ Burroughs and, and Melo Dotson have now been playing together for all, they're all at least juniors, unless I'm missing one of them. Yeah, they're all at least juniors. They've been playing together for a while. I think uh, I'm interested to see the the linebacker group. I know I'm not the only one to say this, but I think that could be a group that surprises uh, you. And so, yeah, that's where I think Leipold has done a really good job, not necessarily relying too much on the transfer portal. It's been, it seems like it's been very strategic and okay. You need a, an extra offensive lineman. You're going to go get some one from Wisconsin, you know, need another uh, linebacker. You know, we saw Craig Young come in last year from Ohio state, but then it really has been, I, I'm interested to see, especially maybe in some of these early games, where that's when we're really going to see, okay, these guys who are second and third on the list and who are maybe a sophomore and hasn't gotten much playing time, what we have there. Um, but at the top, that first level, those starters, I don't know how you could argue that they're suddenly worse. Even with a couple of the departures, yes, no Lonnie Phelps, no Earl Bostic, that sort of thing. The defensive line is is probably looks the, the most different than it did last year. But everywhere else, it's it's a lot of continuity. And again, from what we've seen and, and heard, I don't know how you think that those guys are suddenly all now going to get worse. Well, and, and you know, talking about the, the talent getting better, I think it's a combination of development. I mean, we, we heard Matt Gildersleeve towards the end of fall camp talking about how the team has all gotten faster. When they first got here, they had like 20 players on the roster that could run 20 miles an hour or faster on, on, the, on the football field. Last year, coming out of camp last year, they had 40. This year, at that point in camp, they had 69 different players that could all hit 20-plus miles an hour on the speed gun while doing football activities. So, I mean, just that increase in speed in and of itself is going to make them better because they can get to where they need to be faster. They can react to things faster. They can do a whole bunch more. Um, but then you talked about, you know, transfer portal. They, you're, you're right. They were very targeted. Like, they knew they needed a new kicker. They brought in Seth Keller, one of the best kickers available um, you know, coming out of North Texas, they, you know, they know they needed extra depth at linebacker. They transferred people around or, or shifted people into that linebacker position. Craig Young going back to being a linebacker full time, or at least that's what their plan is at this point is huge, right? Cause he spent so much time in the secondary last year that you really couldn't call him a linebacker. I think when it, when it came down to it in terms of where, what he did on the field, um, and, and in fact, I've already said this multiple times, but pro football focus graded him as a cornerback because of how much he played in the secondary. So um, having him full-time as a linebacker, having a guy like Jason Gilliam coming back, J.B. Brown, you know, transferring in, like there is more depth to that linebacker position, and that was the big problem they had last year. And I think there is more top-end talent in the linebacker position as well. And then you go to defensive line. Like defensive line, I think, is the one position that I think everybody was worried about. And, and I'm talking about both inside and outside. Um, you know, you lost a whole bunch of guys from that defensive line last year. But you brought in a whole bunch of guys, and and the guys that they brought in, the transfers that they brought in, either were higher rated than the guys that were leaving, or and and, I, and I'm talking about recruiting rankings, or they had been successful in a system for multiple years. You know, thinking specifically about uh, guys coming from, uh, you know, uh, who was it that I was thinking about? So so like Dylan Brooks is the guy, you know, higher recruiting ranking. Um, Patrick Joyner coming from Utah State, you know, he's been, he had been there for a while and had played quite a bit. Um, you have a few other guys that really just like, they're coming in and they have played for multiple years. Actually, J.B. Brown, I believe is actually who I was thinking of. You know, he was a three-year starter at Bowling Green, had a whole bunch of additional experience. And, um, you know, Gage Keys is a guy that while he didn't get a ton of time playing coming, uh, you know, over at Minnesota, 
he was a guy who was recruited by Jim Panagos uh, before, you know, he actually went to Minnesota. So like, these are guys that they know well, or these are guys that they have a lot of confidence can run the type of system that they want. The only question for me is not, is the defense going to get better? It's when is the defense going to get better? Is it going to be significantly better starting in week three or four? Or is it going to take until week nine or 10 for the defense to take a huge leap forward because the guys are, are finally at the point where it's all second nature to them? I'm not sure what that answer is, and that will determine how good the season is or how bad the season might be, but I, I have no I have no reason to believe that they will not be able to get it together. It's just a matter of when they do it. Right, and, and thinking about the conference and the competition and whatnot, I mean, it's also a thing of, like, how much better do they need to be because you have the offense here that can click, you know. Uh, you've got – I think they're going to have some opportunities, especially when you look at – uh, like Missouri State, which I'm sure we'll get to, and like Nevada, who is making coaching changes and different roster changes a week before the season starts. Like, I think there's some opportunities for them to kind of maybe get some confidence leading into it. But again, you know, you're playing Texas and you're playing Oklahoma and some of those, like, you're going to give up points. I think, though, it's, it's you know, when can you, can you, can you be, again, timely with turnovers? Can you stop the bleeding and get off on third downs, which was something that, that was a problem. Can you stop the run? Because again, we, we give up 200 yards on the ground on the defense way too much. And there's a lot of good backs in the, in this league. And so, yeah, it's also the, the beauty of the offense. When you look at it, there is that you don't need to be the 85 bears or like the Broncos in the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning in a, in a new arm. Like you just have to be give up, uh, you know what I think last year they gave up 35 and a half points a game and still won six games can you give up 28 points a game and hold teams to 140 or 150 yards on the ground instead of 209 uh, can you you know win the turnover battle just a little bit more you don't have to be Iowa's defense because you have Iowa's offense who can't you know score more than three points in a game uh you have the luxury of all of this talent on offense. And so I'm curious to see too, like, you know, we talk about the defense that needs to be better. It needs to be better. And that's true. What I feel like we never do talk about is like, okay, what does that look like? Like how much better do you need? How big of a margin of error is. And thankfully they do need to get better, but your offense gives you a wider margin of error than it would otherwise. And that was the problem we've seen for the last 10 plus years with Kansas is these offenses and these quarterbacks who just, can't stay on the field they can't put drives together they can't put up points and then all the pressure goes on the defense and it's just impossible to keep up so I do think it's valid of I don't think we're going to see I think that, that this team is still going to give up some points especially in big 12 play to these really good teams but I'm curious to see can they just incremental measurement and improvement throughout the year even if the offense if you think the offense is going to get better even if it doesn't that could result in one or two wins that you wouldn't have gotten last year. Yeah. I mean, and to your point, like I think the biggest issue for the Jayhawks last year wasn't even necessarily the scoring defense. It was the inability to get off the field. And so like, if I'm looking for a metric that I want to see get better to see how well, how much better this defense is doing is when they put themselves in a, you know, it's a third and 14 or a, you know, or a, like a second and you know 20 like if they put the the opposing offense in a bad situation can they follow through can they get off the field for that this is the big 12 there's a lot of really good offenses 
even the best defenses allow points. Even Iowa State was allowing points last year, you know, and they were probably one of the best defenses in the nation, if not, you know, only the Big 12. Um, and, and yes, a lot of that had to do with like their offense not being able to really sustain drives, but you know, the best defenses still give up points. So Kansas is going to give up points this year. Um, I wouldn't even be shocked if they, you know, still are giving up 30 points a game or something like that. But this offense is good enough that as long as they're not having their feet cut out from underneath them multiple times, they are going to be able to put up 45 points in a game or in, in most games. And, you know, while there might be games against, let's say, a Texas or an Iowa State where the defense is really good, the defense needs to be able to step up and make a few stops and get a few things done and help get that momentum back. And that's really the main thing you're looking for. I think everybody coming into this year knows the defense, no matter what Brian Borland said, you know, in, in his press conference in fall camp, the defense is not going to be the main reason that Kansas wins games this year. There might be one game, right, where they are like, hey, we shut down an opposing offense entirely, and that's why we won the game. But for the most part, if Kansas wins multi, you know, tons of games this year, it's going to be because the offense just went ballistic. And I think everybody knows that. And so it's about doing enough on the defensive end, doing enough at special teams that you don't hamstring your own offense and let them do what they do best. Kansas has one of the most efficient offenses in the nation with, like you said, a ton coming back. I think the last I saw was 91% of their production um, on offense is coming back. Like, that is a ridiculous number. And so I am definitely prepared to see some, you know, some fireworks from that offense. Um, and the, really just the question is, can the defense stop it from, you know, stop the bleeding? Yeah. And you don't even have to be Iowa State's defense I mean, look at Iowa State had a great defense last year, and they went four and eight because their offense abysmal. And it's interesting they, you know, you can the the difference, and they're not only with the points, like you said, but KU's defense averaged point giving up gave up basically twenty five first downs to opponents per game. That was the average. Like Iowa State averaged fifteen, almost sixteen, and a couple of those were. And it was interesting that it's it was basically equal eleven a game run and pass, and then they gave up two a game through penalties, Kansas' defenses. So I think that was the other thing, too, when you think of close games, clock running, the other teams just gashing it. Like, you know, Bajan Robinson's thankfully not here anymore, but, like, the, the teams who are just running all over you do spawn and you can't stop the clock, and every time you think you get them in the third and four and then they run for seven yards and it just repeats and repeats, it's, it's as mental as it is. Obviously, the physical impact on the time and everything else is – it's huge, but I feel like there's a mental aspect of it too, where they just got <clears throat> beaten down. And so, yeah, don't give up. Even if you give up 28 to 30 points a game, that's okay. Honestly, there's going to be big plays. This is a big play conference, as we've seen. You're not going to stop Quentin Ewer, or Quinn Ewers or, or Dylan Gabriel altogether. But can you, I would like to see, like, let's get down to what? Like, give, give up 21 first downs instead of 25. And I bet that would probably make a big difference with this offense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think the important thing for the rest of the year is going to just be identifying those opportunities that they can to limit mistakes and, and get where they need to be. So, you know, if, if they can do that, it's going to be really, really hard not to pick the Kansas Jayhawks in a lot of the games they have. And you, as the listener, has have a great opportunity to get your picks in with sponsor here on the podcast, Prize Picks. Prize Picks, they are the best legal way to play player, player props in every state, including like California, Florida, Texas, and more. Um, you or it's the easy way to play daily fantasy. You pick two to five players and 
pick an over or an under on the projections for whatever stats it is that you want to look at, whether it's, you know, fantasy points, rushing yards, passing yards, touchdowns. There's a whole bunch of different stuff from a whole bunch of different players. And you don't have to stick just to college football. You can be, you know, they have NBA, basketball, uh, English Premier League. They have a whole bunch of different stuff with new, uh, new, uh, I guess, picks every day, every props that you can, you know, find every single day. You head over to prizepicks.com or download the Price Picks app. You can use promo code CHALK12 to get uh, an instant 100% deposit match up to the first $100 that you have. So, again, Price Picks, they have a bunch of great stuff. Normally, we would be going and picking stuff, but the Kansas picks are not up yet. I'm not even sure if they're going to have them for this particular game, but I can guarantee you next week they will have picks for Kansas versus Illinois. So, make sure you head on over there, see what they have. I guarantee that you can use the knowledge you have of your, all your favorite sports to go and find things that you are comfortable with that you can go and make some money off of. So, pricepicks.com, promo code CHOCK12. Get yourself that 100% instant match of your deposit up to $100. All right, uh, Kyle, I do want to go ahead and jump over to talk more about this game specifically um, and then, you know, kind of talk more about the outlook of the season in, in general. But before we do that, I need to throw to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. And we're back. I am here with Kyle Davis, uh, my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. We are talking, obviously, about the first week of the season. It is a brand new season for the Kansas Jayhawks, and man, are we excited. So, looking at the team this year, looking at the game coming up, this is obviously um, a tune-up for the Jayhawks going into the rest of the season. But what does Missouri State actually bring? Where do you think that Kansas is going to get the biggest challenge from the Bears as they try to, you know, have a very, I guess, rock-solid first game of the season. Yeah, well, and hopefully uh, by this point, if you're listening, the, our, our preview on the site is out, so go and read all the player uh, players to watch, matchups to watch. I won't I won't give it all away here, but it is interesting because, I, I, well, I don't know, I'll put you on the spot. Do you know, do you know who Missouri State's coached last year? I actually do not remember. I, th- I looked at it at one point, like, a while ago, and yeah. haven't yeah looked at it again. It was Bobby Petrino, who oh wow, as you know, of Arkansas um, lore and others, um, and you know just Google Bobby, Bobby Petrino motorcycle wreck if you yeah. um, <laughs> aren't familiar with that story. But he left to take the OC job at Texas A and M, so now they have a first year coach. They promoted their defensive coordinator Ryan Beard, thirty three years old, first time head coach. Um, so that'll be interesting because they are going a offensive coordinated um they also are so it's going to be quite different because they're going from an offensive minded coach to a defensive minded coach it's also to answer your question the answer is the running game because both um jacardia wright is the running back he was at kansas state before this and interestingly enough he uh he had a decent season last year he rushed for more than 700 yards and a couple of touchdowns. It was interesting. He's actually the first Missouri state back as I was doing my research to um, eclipse 700 yards in the season since 2014, which surprised me a little bit. So he is the one that they're probably going to rely, rely on a lot because it sounds like they're going to play multiple quarterbacks. They, their last year's quarterback um, is no longer here. You have two guys who transferred into the program from either the Juco or D2, neither of them have D1 experience. And I read actually this week, um, shout out to the Springfield News Ledger, 
that both of them are going to play significant amounts, it sounds like. So I don't know what to expect at, at quarterback, which makes me think that they're going to double down on Jacardia Wright in the run game, which is a great chance for us to see what this Kansas defensive front looks like stopping the run because you have someone who used to be playing in this conference and has done well for himself at this level. I'm curious to see can KU just gobble him up and make life hard for them because I think if they can stop the run, I'm not sure what else Missouri State's offense can do. The the offense through the air was great last year. They actually played Arkansas in week three and um, (laughs) threw threw for 357 yards against the Razorbacks. So like that – they were predicated on the passing game for the most part last year. You had Bobby Petrino calling the plays and, and organizing all that. All of that's gone now. You're basically coming in with two quarterbacks who have never played at the D1 level, a new defensive coordinator head coach, uh, and the biggest consistency is at running back. So I would imagine that I'm curious to see, one, can the secondary look like the Kansas secondary should look against what I just laid out, and then also, um, Jacardia Wright, can you make life tough for him and and keep him contained under 100 yards, that sort of thing? Because if they do, I'm not sure Missouri State's going to have an answer. And then on the flip side, Missouri State struggled against the run last year. I think they gave up – they allowed north of 150 yards a game on the ground. Not quite Kansas bad, but given the competition – uh, can, you know, can Devin Neal and uh, even Jalen Daniels, although I don't think you'd probably want him running too much in this game, but, you know, can the kind of three-headed monster of uh, Devin Neal and, you know, Daniel Hyshar, maybe some Sevian Morrison, can they look good against this team and really establish, get some maybe confidence in that on the line and get some continuity there? So uh, both of them, I think, come down to the run game, and that's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, that, that was Kansas' biggest weakness last year, right, was run defense. Um, and while I don't expect Missouri State to have an offensive line that can push Kansas around in any capacity, um, it will still, I think, be good to see how quickly they can swallow guys up, how well they can, you know, diagnose the, the runs and be in the right spot. And, you know, if Kansas is going to get beat on the running game, it's going to be because somebody missed an assignment. And if we see that here, then it's a pretty good indication that run – Defense could be another big issue this year. I, I don't think that's going to be the case, kind of like what you were talking about. I think that there's going to be plenty of times, even if they have the wrong read, they'll just push somebody back into the way, and, you know, it'll cause a problem. Um, but it'd also be a good idea or a good way to see a lot of these players shake off the rust and really kind of see what they're actually able to do. Um, and so at the very least, I think this is going to be a great opportunity for us to, to see the potential for this team, to see what they could potentially do if stuff really starts to gel. Um, and get super excited and hyped up for that next game against Illinois the next week. So looking, though, at Missouri State and what they do, I guess then the best, the next best question is, what is your hope? Like, what are you hoping to see? What would you consider to be a successful outing against Missouri State? I think everybody assumes they're going to win and they're going to win big. But for you to feel good about what happens there, what what do you need to see? So actually, can I give you one more scouting report? Yeah, yeah, uh, go ahead. Nugget I'm sure. right now. So one of the benefits of Kansas stopping the run and the offense would be that they will will be able to see Missouri State's arguably best player um, get on the field more because their punter, uh, Grant Burkett, is a actually 
Bill Steele in his college football preview had him as a preseason All-American. He actually holds, he is the current leader in the country in FCS in punt yard average. And he actually holds the record for three of the four top punt yard seasons for Missouri State, including the top season. So he's basically, uh, he's, he's basically the punting Todd Reesing for the Bears there. So the good thing is, is that if you, hold the offense down, then you get a lot more Grant Burkett and you can watch him kick the ball far and high. So I thought that was just interesting. Shout out to punters everywhere. Um, and we know from last year how bad our special teams could have been. And so yeah, uh, sure. one area that, that Missouri State's got short up is the punting in there. I would say if you're talking about an ideal night at the booth on Friday night, it is it, it begins with a hot start because that was the thing we did not see enough of last year. It was too many slow starts getting behind or even just toying with teams that you shouldn't have been toying with. Get out to a, a hot start. And then, you know, I'm curious to see just the balance of, I, I doubt that Kotelnicki is going to give away too much. I think the offensive play calling will probably be fairly vanilla unless it needs to be spiced up more. But this is, I think a good chance to see kind of what you have in Offensive line continuity. I would like to see how Daniel Hyshaw looks coming back from the injury. Like, you know, let's give him and, and Savion Morrison some some uh, attention there. I think there's some – the I think the wide receiver room, there's some really interesting combinations there. But then on the defense is who's going who's gonna to step up and really kind of, um, uh, you know, exude their will on them. Like, who's going to get to the quarterback? Lonnie Phelps is gone. I think that's one of the big questions when you talk about the defensive line and, and the front seven, who's going to get to the quarterback. You know, if, if we can leave this with um, a couple of sacks, a couple of turnovers, I think everyone will feel good, but really this is a, this is a tune up. Hopefully that is a, a one that you can kind of cruise to and let's get some of the second tier guys and some of the new guys into the system some time uh, to get loaded and then, you know, be ready for, for next week against Illinois, but mainly just don't mess around. Like it happened so very often last year. It'd be great to not be down 14 to seven after the first quarter. And then even if you don't feel like anything bad's actually going to happen by the end of it, just the fact that you have to step on your foot a little bit more. I think, I don't think Kansas probably wants to show too much. So when I think in the, in the, preview I had I think I said um 49 to 24 that's at least what I'm going with right now I think you take that your your second team is probably give up a couple touchdowns late that's okay but you know do you look like a version of the well-oiled machine even if you're still kind of getting into higher gear that you left with at the end of the last season yeah, I mean, and, and really what we want is to see some quality production from you know up and down the lineup get the entire lineup involved and that is like the, uh, you know, the quality up and down the lineup of our newest sponsor here on the podcast. This podcast brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. They are a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City, specializing in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel to show off your school spirit all season long. They have a bunch of fantastic stuff, over 30 different schools to choose from right now, including Kansas, and an absolutely ridiculously awesome Jalen Daniel shirt that came out earlier this week. But the collection they have is really big. They have a lot of different things, a lot of different um, styles for Kansas. And, of course, if you, you know happen to have 
fans in your uh, uh, fans of other teams in their collection in your family, or you know, they have plenty of other pretty good stuff too for other teams as well. But I highly recommend you check out that Kansas collection by going over to charliehustle.com today. Um, if you use promo code 101215, that is the word 10, T E N, the numbers 1215, you can get 15% off your entire first order. Um, and you can support us here, you know, at, at the Rock Chalk Podcast and on the 1012 Podcast Network as well. So, again, make sure you check that out. Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, you know, I, I, I agree. I think that, as you put it, you want to see a quick start, much like they did against Tennessee Tech. I mean, I wouldn't mind to see, like, a special teams touchdown here or there. You know, get another Kobe Bryant, like, field goal kick block or something like that. But I really just want them to do what they need to do to get ready for the big test that's coming next week. So looking at this game, like how do you think that this is going to get them set up for the rest of the season? I mean, it's one of those things where, especially with some of the new pieces you're in here, you can practice against yourself all you want and you can hit the weight room and look good. But until you actually are in a game situation, I think that's part of it too, is that, you know, I think Lance Leipold has, has proven to be a much better um, game manager than some of the past coaches we've seen, whether it be fourth down decisions or managing the clock or that sort of thing. But even, you know, this is like, this is a, I don't want to call it a test run because it's still serious, but this is like a, you, you, you do everything like this to prepare for the next week where if you're in a critical situation. So I want to see, I want to see um, a pretty clean game in terms of not a lot of penalties. Like that's the, you know, make sure that you're not, false starting and jumping off sides everywhere. And how are we handling fourth down and, and kicking or going for it situations, all that sort of thing. I think this is the game where hopefully you have a little bit of cushion in terms of the score, where maybe you can try some different stuff, but even, you know, you got a new kicker, you got a new punter, special teams was a mess last year. There's a lot of little things that I think you can practice it all you want, but until you get that actual game reputation or not, well, you need the reputation as well. Yeah. Uh, repetition is the word I was going for until you get that repetition in there. There's just no way to actually prepare for the real team. So I think that's what, if you're talking about getting ready for Illinois, cause it is going to be a big jump in athleticism in terms of competition uh, between Missouri state and Illinois is, can you at least get everything else buttoned up in terms of the way you're calling the game, special teams, penalties, all that sort of thing. I think that's going to be the, the best way for Kansas to prepare itself. And then obviously it's just, it's execution. You know, are you guys running the right routes? Are you finding holes? How are you adjusting to what the the defense is giving you um, throughout the course of the game? So there's going to be a lot of like kind of little things like that, that I'll definitely be keeping an eye on uh, through the three hours in the booth on Friday. Yeah. I am looking forward to all of the great support we're going to see from all the fans and being there in the booth. Um, You and I will actually both be there covering the game. Um, really happy to be able to, you know, have a bigger presence there to get more stuff for you guys uh, as you're listening and, you know, reading everything that we do over at Blue Wings Rising. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to do it. Like, I agree. I think that the most important part of this, because I don't think that there's any kind of worry about them losing this game or this game being particularly close. Like, I think the biggest the biggest questions for me is, how much is Missouri State going to get to score in garbage time? Because I think before they actually start scoring a decent amount of points, it's going to have to be garbage time. Um, and then, two, can they get out of there without any injuries? And can they get out of there with getting the guys the reps that are going to need to be significant contributors for them the rest of the year? Um, so I'm looking forward to 
a great atmosphere in the season opener. Last I heard, they're not quite at a sellout, but they're pretty dang close. By the time this comes out, they might have actually already hit the sellout. I know that Illinois, last I heard, it's really hard to get a ticket for. Um, and so, you know, that one will be a sellout, I think, at this point as well. So glad to see that, you that you know, Kansas fans are really, really supporting this team and supporting this program. And, of course, we would love to have your support as well. We do actually have a 1012 Network Patreon site. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash 1012 Network, you can you can uh, pledge to support any of the shows that are here on the network. And there will be some occasional extra bonus coverage. I know that Philip um, has a few things out over there already, kind of talking about the Big 12 in general. I know that I am planning to work on putting something up there as well for those of you guys that are supporting us here at the Rock Chalk Podcast on the on the Patreon. Want to give you guys some exclusive content over there as well. So, but that is going to go ahead and do it for us today, Kyle. Before we get out of here for the day, is there anything else that you want Kansas fans to know heading into Week One? No, uh, enjoy it. Show up. I think you look at the schedule, and I feel like there's probably a solid six wins there and in, in upwards of maybe eight or nine if you want to get uh optimistic but i think this is there's some toughness on the schedule but there's also winnable games this week being one of them you know nevada uh, iowa state i think even cincinnati like there's this is uh it, it's it's shaping up to be a, a what could be a pretty special season and especially if you can catch some of these top teams in the big 12 on the right um the right night but i think enjoy, enjoy this while you can i think we, this is something that we've been clamoring for for you know more than a decade can we just get talent and competence and in a better atmosphere and all this sort of thing and so now that you have it you know enjoy it even though it's in missouri state even if kansas wins by 30 which that would be great if they did just enjoy it and, and i think um bask in the season as much as you can hopefully you know, there's just so many things. I did the the emotional um, kind of meter a couple weeks ago. There's certain things that are going to be out of your control that might, you know, injuries as we've seen and others. But I think out of everything that can be controlled, the team seems like it has a pretty good handle on it. I'm, I'm interested to see what that now looks like on the field because there's no preseason like the NFL. There's nothing, you know, you go off of what you're hearing and these practices and media availability there. But uh, I'm curious to see now in person, with our eyes, what we have here. Yeah, for sure. And the only thing I will say at this point is let's save the field storming and tearing down the goalposts for when Kansas beats uh, K state at the end of the year. So um, everything else we expect, you know, like even yeah. beating Oklahoma. Maybe, maybe Oklahoma. Yeah. I, was gonna I say, don't know. Last, they almost beat them last, last time. So, but if, if yeah, it depends on where Oklahoma is, is Oklahoma ranked again? Oklahoma's undefeated when they come to Lawrence and Kansas beats them, then I will say for sure, go for it. Go tear down those goals. I also think that might be homecoming. I'm trying to remember. But if it's homecoming and, it, and if Oklahoma's ranked and Kansas is ranked and it's and, – and depending on how it happens. Okay, maybe. you got But me. yes, save, save it. I don't think uh, – Illinois probably doesn't cut it. Um, unfortunately, you – whoever's traveling to Austin can storm it there. Um, but, yeah, I think Oklahoma and K-State – No, I will not. I will not condone anybody storming the field at – you know, down in Austin because I don't want anyone to get arrested. Like right. being in, being in jail down in Texas is not a good idea. So, all right, that is going to do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, it'd be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, 
just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact us by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the Central Podcast Network covering all 14 teams and soon to be 16 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Go to 1012network.com to find links to all the great shows that we have over there. And of course, we are also proud to be partnered with the Sports Social Network, the biggest podcast network over in the UK, covering a whole bunch of stuff internationally. So um, make sure that you guys do check out our sponsors, Charlie Hustle and uh, Price Picks. You use the promo codes that we have there for some great deals with those guys. And make sure you check out the Patreon as well. But that is going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.